This is Brian Amick, and welcome to episode 13 of Project 39. Today's guest is Nate Murphy of Zamar Instruments. Nate builds guitars by hand from his shop on Deputy Pike. In this episode, he tells us how he got interested in making guitars. He walks us through some of the steps involved in the process, and he shares how he'd like to see his business grow over time. We also had a third guest for part of this episode. We were recording from Nate's shop, and there was a guinea sitting outside who decided to let himself be heard. But uh, after about 10 minutes, he decided to go elsewhere and things quiet down a little bit. So just bear with us. As always, I'd like to hear your feedback on this episode. Um, Links will be at the bottom on how you can contact me. And I encourage you to share this episode with a friend. Everybody knows someone who plays guitar, so consider sharing it with them. They might enjoy it. So all that being said, let's get with it. Nate Murphy. Welcome to Project 39. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you taking time to sit down with me. So uh, before we get into get into what you're doing, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. So uh, I'm Nate Murphy. I'm 25 years old. Uh, I grew up, I uh, was born in Indianapolis, and then wound up moving down to Madison with my family when I was about nine years old. Um, I was homeschooled all the way through high school, uh, yeah. which I loved. I, I thought it was one of the greatest things in the world. Uh, I'm one of nine kids. So, nine, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, so where uh, do you fall on the line? I'm the fourth kid, but the oldest boy. So I have three okay. older sisters right above me. Okay. And then it's uh, kind of boy, girl, you know, back and forth a little bit more. Okay. After that. But um, yeah, so growing up, uh, home was always uh, fun and loud, yeah. right? In, in, a, in a good way. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that's sort of my background. Uh, right now, I own the business uh, Zamar Instruments, which is you know what we're going to mostly talk about here today. Mm-hmm. But um, along the way, I do you know a lot of different things. I love playing music. I have uh, an eBay store where I do stuff. I'm uh, one of the guys who teaches at my church, and so okay. I just do a lot of different things and, and love them all. Cool, that's awesome. Uh, so your brand, Zamar. Yep. Zamar, am I saying it correctly? Yep, yep. Zamar Instruments. Instruments. So what's the significance of Zamar? How did you come up with that? Because that's not a word that I've really ever heard before. Sure, sure. Yeah, so uh, Zamar is, uh, it's a Hebrew word, actually, uh, in its origin. Okay. And uh, when I was just getting into building the instruments, I, I kind of needed to come up with a, a brand name. And I just did not like the sound of Murphy guitars. Sounds a little generic. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, it's a little generic. It's a little Irish, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and and so I wanted something just a little, little better, mm-hmm. and was trying to just figure out, you know, how did I want to, where did I want to go with it? And uh, my mom actually had the idea. She said, why don't you look up, you know, Hebrew words and see if there's something that mm-hmm. that's there for you. And uh, and initially, I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to like anything yeah. from there. But I started looking around, and uh, zamar is one of the Hebrew words for praise. And uh, in Hebrew, every word has its direct translation in English, mm-hmm. but also sort of an implied meaning. And so Hebrew, uh, in Hebrew, zamar translates as praise, but it carries the idea of praise on a stringed instrument. So it's in the Psalms a lot, uh, like whenever it's referencing, you know, praise the Lord, on an instrument, it's usually okay. the word zamar. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. That's, uh, I can see why you chose that. Yeah, and I love it, and you know, it gives. Uh, it's a nice opportunity. I like the sound of it. I like how it looks on a brand and a logo and all of that. But it mm-hmm. also 
as I'm, you know, talking to people and just engaging with the company, right. it, uh, it gives an opportunity just to give them more backstory if they want. Yeah, that's neat. So I guess technically you're what they call a luthier. Is yep. that right? Yeah. So uh, tell us what a luthier is. So officially a luthier uh, is a builder of stringed instruments. Okay. And uh, in America, we're a little looser with the term. Uh, mm-hmm. In Europe, I think it's a little more specific to violin makers and stuff. Oh, but, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, a little, so, little elitism there. Uh, I think there's a little bit. I, yeah. I, I don't fault them. Uh, violin making is its own its own animal. So. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so you're a, you're a luthier. How did you choose that as a career path? So uh, pretty roundabout in its own right, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, coming out of high school, I was trying to figure out just sort of what I wanted to do for next steps, and didn't really feel like college was uh, the path I wanted to go down. Um, but wasn't really sure what necessarily the alternatives were. And mm-hmm. so I was looking at, I've always loved working with my hands, doing mm-hmm. things hands-on. And so um, I would, was considering, you know, either like construction or furniture mm-hmm. or something like that. And I wound up finding a, uh, a furniture school, a woodworking school just south of Indianapolis. Um, it's kind of this hidden gem in Indiana. It okay. looks like a big pole barn in the middle of a cornfield. Yeah. But you get in there and realize it's this incredible facility that's got you know five or six classes going at any one time and all different kinds of mediums and um and so it's, long- a, it's a legit school yes it's not just so some, it's set up it's not yeah. like uh it doesn't run on a normal school year okay and so what they do is they uh their method is they teach in like week 10 day increments okay and so they're teaching faculty is all over the world mm-hmm. and so they will bring in instructors from Canada, from California, from wherever. Really? And so it lets it be, uh, it's much more concentrated form of education. Yeah. Where basically you're there for a week with a professional, um, you know, let's say you want to learn wood bending and you want to mm-hmm. bend wood. Uh, he's going to really be unpacking 30 or 40 years of experience in a week. And so, wow. um, so it's a very intensive school, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it's, it's a cool approach to education, I think, at least uh, for a hands-on context. So long story short, I wound up interning there for a summer after I came out of high school. And one of the uh, classes that I took, I, I was kind of going through the furniture program. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing you know, chair making and wood turning and carving and all of that. Um, but then as an elective class, I took guitar building. Yeah. And I had thought, you know, I play music, I play guitar, it'll be fun to build this guitar for mm-hmm. my elective class, and then yeah. go back to building furniture, whatever. Right. And, uh, and it was a six day class. We built a, we built a whole guitar from like the ground up. And I just completely fell in love with building guitars. Really? There, yeah. There was something just different. Uh, it's different than building furniture. It's oh, yeah. got a, it's just a different level of connection. I love just what it was doing. And, you know, I walked out of that class with an object that actually made music. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I just thought, you know what, if there's any way I could do this full time, I would just love that to death. Yeah. And here you are. Yeah. So yeah. what's the name of the school? Uh, it's the Mark Adams School of Woodworking. It's Mark with a C. Really? But, uh, yeah, it's this. I've never, never heard of it. It's, and a, it's, here, it's in southern Indiana? Uh, nope. It's, in, it's just south of Indianapolis. South of so Indianapolis. It's, uh, in the Franklin, Whiteland area. Really? Yep, I wasn't aware of such a place. That's yeah. pretty neat to know there's something nearby like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great place. Okay, so how, how long did you actually study there? So I because it's set up 
you know, in week classes instead of mm-hmm. an overall semester, um, I wound up interning there pretty much for a whole summer. So eight, okay. eight ten weeks. Okay. Um, and then a couple of years before that and after that, I would do, you know, a week class here and there. Okay. Just to sort of, you know, fill in some gaps and things I was trying to learn. Yeah. That's pretty neat. It's neat that there's something nearby like that. So yeah. I didn't have to travel across the yeah. country to get it. So. Yeah, it was great. So what goes into making a guitar? What are some, I mean, without getting down to the, you know, deep level of detail, but sure, what, what are sure. some of those major steps or, you know, how do you, you know, I had no idea how to even go about it. Sure. So truthfully, uh, cause I get asked that a, a good bit and people want to know, you know, what's the, what's the secret or what's the hardest mm-hmm. part. And, and truthfully, uh, building a guitar is there's sort of building a guitar and then there's building guitars, plural. And if you're building them in okay. a, in a succession, uh, then really, probably one of the most important steps is just your ability to build jigs and fixtures. And, uh, a lot of guitar building is involves routers and band saws. And so it's not like heavy equipment, Mm -hmm. but it's a process of, can you hold your pieces in the right position Mm -hmm. and, you know, keeping your hands far enough away that you still have 10 fingers at the end of the day. Um, can you, you know, clamp something down, slide it along a router table or a router Mm -hmm. fence and get the same result every time. And so a lot of it, it truthfully is uh, building good jigs. And well, I was going to ask you about that because I was watched some of your, uh, seen some of your videos that mm-hmm. you post on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And, and there's some of the fixtures and tools you're using that are, you know, are obviously, you bought them. Yep. But there's some that, you know, some of the jigs you're using that look pretty custom made. I mean, yeah. you, so you generally have to make your own? Uh, a lot of times I do. Uh, a lot of times it's, modifying for what you want, what you need. Um, and you can, there are certain, you know, there are certain jigs you can buy. Mm-hmm. Um, truthfully though, a lot of times they're expensive. And yeah. so if you're, you know, if you're self-employed, a lot of times it's, you know, it's time versus money. Dig through the scrap and box. And yep. Yep. Make, you can find some. your leftover plywood and you can, you can make it work. Make your own. It's pretty neat. Uh, yeah. I encourage everybody to go to his Instagram channel and, uh, check out some of the videos. It's, yeah. it's pretty impressive the way that, that, uh, the whole process goes. Um, so when you're building a guitar, mm-hmm. what's the, uh, what's the, what's the critical step? What's the step? Like if I screw this up, this thing's going in the, in the, in the wood stove. Yeah. We're going to have to yeah. burn it for heat. So there's a couple of them. Um, probably overall, the most important part of the guitar is where the neck of the guitar joins into the body mm-hmm. of the guitar. Um, because if that doesn't fit well, and if that isn't built right, okay. then, a, the guitar is not going to have the longevity that it needs because mm-hmm. over time there's so much tension from the strings that it'll actually kind of cave that area in. Right. And so just getting that right, getting that fit right, um, is super critical. I'd say the other step sort of on the other side is just the finishing process itself. Okay. Because, uh, and it's, it's just kind of one of the funny parts of the business, the finish in a sense, is the least critical part to how's the guitar mm-hmm. going to last. Okay. But um, it's the most critical in terms of does it catch somebody's eye? You know, the finish really, right, yeah. in a lot of ways, makes the makes, sale. It's attractive. And right? so it's this, uh, you know, a finish is probably about 20% of the entire building process in terms oh, of time. That much? Yeah. You don't just slap a coat of varnish no, on no, at the it's end? No, and... you're not slapping anything on it. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, so finishing is probably the hardest step. And then you got to, just because you've got to 
lay down your coats right. You got to do your prep sanding right, and then you once you get the finish on, you've got to buff it. And yeah. so it's a and I do a really hard finish to give mm -hmm. it durability. So you got to buff it yeah. uh, for a long time to yeah. get that up to the gloss that you want. Uh, but just a lot of you know you're working with. 1200 2000 grit sandpaper and then you're going to do really? three or four you know two or three different wheels on the buffing wheel and oh you actually use a buffing wheel yeah. on really yeah. wow that's yeah I didn't, I didn't expect that yeah uh you mentioned the wood bending uh-huh uh studying that um that giving away your trade secrets how, how do you bend i guess what we'd call the body yeah of a yeah guitar? sure so uh i've seen videos and stuff where they use like steaming yep and yep things. so Is really that, it's uh heat and water and really the water uh the water just conducts heat really well so mm -hmm. you wet the wood and then you put it i have like a kind of a press mold okay uh that's cut to the profile of the guitar and so i'll moisten the wood wrap it in foil stick it uh between two pieces of metal with a heating blanket okay turn it on let it sit till it's you know at the right temperature and then just work carefully work slowly and you can press everything and form everything, and then you just hold it in place, kind of cook it a little longer, mm -hmm. and then let it set till it cools. Okay. And it'll hold that shape. So the body typically, is that one piece? So uh, basically each side of the guitar is one piece. Okay. So, yeah, if you're looking at the guitar from the front on, the left side and right side are two separate pieces. Okay. Oh, it's not top and bottom, it's left and right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't expect that. How do you, well, we get into too many details. Sure, Sorry. sure. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'd like to learn more about that. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, so you're making, so do you make custom guitars per order or someone calls you up and they want something special or do you just make stuff that you can ship off the shelf? I do a little bit of both. Okay. Um, so what I try to do is I like to have a couple models that I make um, mm -hmm. to my specifications and I you know, can take them to shows, take them to conferences or events or whatever okay. and show people, you know, I build basically these two models, here's your price points, mm -hmm. here's what you're looking at, here's what you'll get. Okay. And that offers a level of consistency uh, and I think just, you know, sort of comfort, almost assurance to a buyer. Like, oh, there's some, you know, there's yeah. some backing to this. He's actually made one. Yes, before. right, right. Yeah. Uh, but I also do offer custom options because yeah. when you're a small business, uh, particularly a small guitar company, if somebody's buying a guitar from you instead of one of the major manufacturers mm -hmm. or whatever, uh, usually... They want they want a story. They want a connection. Right. And for some people, you know, hey, it was built by a, a small business mm -hmm. is enough. Some people, though, want, you know, kind of their story as part of it. Right. And so that probably winds up being about, you know, one out of every eight to ten instruments is usually one of oh, those. Oh, that many. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so at that point, um, you know, I'll give people more options as far as what kind of wood do we want to use. And do you want to do some sort of custom inlay? Mm -hmm. um, things like that. So actually I did one, uh, for a guy here in town and he had some property. And so we went into his woods and picked out a maple tree. Oh, really? Chainsawed it down and milled it up. And, uh, and you know, and that was one of the things we were able to do. And, uh, so he got a guitar that truthfully had come from his woods. Right. That's and, neat. and I'm still using the rest of that log and we're still making instruments out of it. Really? Yeah. So, so who is your typical customer? Who typically comes looking for a, a, well, maybe not a custom, but one that's not made by a mass manufacturer? Sure, sure. Um, a lot of times I wind up selling to worship leaders at churches. Okay. Um, 
just kind of for whatever reason that that's a group that really uh they love i think the small aspect um and they're just they're i've really loved having the chance to sell to them uh, truthfully mm-hmm. they're all all the ones i've ever worked with have just been a great group of people yeah and so yeah do uh so would your would your instruments would they be appropriate for a beginner or is it more of a they're probably more uh season player intermediate to advanced okay so typically uh you know a lot of times guitar players uh have what's called guitar acquisition syndrome mm-hmm. where once you buy your first one you'll you'll keep buying them for right. life but uh so oftentimes i try and position myself as the guitar that would be a great second maybe third instrument okay uh generally second is sort of what i'm shooting for uh where somebody has gotten guitar they've learned guitar they've you know played enough of their friends and, and whatever else is to have a feel for like i kind of know what i'm i know what i'm looking for mm-hmm. um I've heard a range of quality, and so I understand enough about sound to, you know, expect a certain quality and caliber of sound, um, and that's really where I try and position myself to fit in there. I'm not trying to be the, uh, you know, the twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollar, you know, dream guitar. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm positioning myself more as sort of just a great instrument that's a lot more accessible to a broader range of people. Okay, and so what makes Zamar instrument special. What well, I know you got. Uh, I've seen some pictures, and yours don't look quite like others that I see. Sure, sure. So, um, so there's a couple of different things I think I would say, and you know, first and foremost, there is the there's the story. There's mm-hmm. the part that this is not, uh, you know, this isn't just you know the 500th guitar of the it's day. It's not an assembly this line. Is, the guitar that I'm making right now. Mm -hmm. And with that, there's a freedom that I have as a builder because I don't have to push out, you know, numbers. I'm not on that mad rush of, we've Mm got to get this quantity out the door. Mm -hmm. Um, I can make each instrument maximized to itself. And sort of the, the analogy that I like to give people is, you know, in a big factory, uh, they have it figured out where we sand all of our pieces to this thick, we put them together, you know, whatever, 90% of the time, it's going to be a good guitar. Mm-hmm. 5% of the time, it's going to be an incredible guitar. 5% yeah. of the time, it's not going to be so hot. Right. And, you know, it's wood. There's always different stiffnesses and different right. ranges of flexibility or whatever. And but So they're playing to their best tolerances. Mm-hmm. Um, but as an individual builder, I can play to an individual instrument's tolerances. And I can say, okay, this piece of wood right here mm-hmm. would be best at this thickness as I'm so wood is not wood wood is not wood really? it is there is no two pieces are the same and really? I've yep I've pulled out guitar tops that I could tell you know were sliced side by side out of mm-hmm. the same log and and it's different and so it's just uh you know it's always in that sense it's always fun because you have a a rough working range of like yeah. okay I'm gonna you know I'm gonna dial them into about here and then I'm gonna start individualizing them all Okay. And at that point, uh, you know, we're, we're really letting what's this guitar's best, you know, sound. What what can we do as far as shaping the braces? As far as you know, how thick everything's going to be. How can we control the overall sound of this instrument? Okay. In its best way. So that's a big part of it. Um, the other one of the other things I do uh, that's sort of a lot more noticeable from a visual standpoint is I put a second sound hole in mm-hmm. all of my instruments. Um, and it's on the side of the guitar, so it's actually pushing toward the player. Okay. And that really helps create a, a much better player experience because if you're playing in a group or whatever, 
it gets a little hard to hear yourself. And so that extra hole pushes sound straight toward you. So you can hear yourself okay. better. Um, it also, because all the sound frequencies aren't necessarily bottlenecking mm-hmm. at one spot as it's trying to escape the guitar body, overall you create just a much cleaner sound on the instrument. And so it's a great, uh, it's a great addition, I think, because I love just the way it not only makes it better for you, but truthfully does make it better for everyone listening. It opens up yeah. the tone of the instrument a lot more. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Like you say, it's noticeable. It's, yeah. it's something yeah. you can Yeah, and it see. catches people's eye, and yeah. you, know, you can find your picks easier when you drop them in. Yeah, easier to get out. Yep. Yeah, I bet. Yep. Uh, so when you're talking about uh, the different types of wood, when you say you know, not, not all wood's wood, right? Mm-hmm. Is it, are you saying one type, like maple's better than cherry? Or are you saying that even in maple... It's not all the same. Even or, yeah, even within species, it's okay. not all the same. Um, and there's definitely, uh, you know, definitely switching in between species. There's huge differences. Mm-hmm. Um, but even within the same species, there's always still these little, little variations. And well, it's and a natural things. product, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not not grown in a lab, right? Very know? much so, so. That makes sense. Um, so. I mean, it's easy to see you, you're a craftsman when you see the product that you produce. It's mm-hmm. pretty crazy. But uh, you're also a businessman. Yeah. So, you know, you, not only do you have these skills to produce something, but you've got to run a business. So as a, you know, what are some of the challenges of being a small businessman? What, uh, you went into this thing, I want to make guitars. Right. right? And then you're right. like, crap, now i got to run a business got too. got to file taxes. you got to yeah, file taxes. Yeah, i got to do all this stuff. Uh, what what part of running a business uh what keeps you up at night? What, what? Yeah, I think um, I think probably one of the challenges of running a small guitar business is figuring out really where you want it to go, because mm-hmm. um, most of the one man shops out there uh, that are building guitars are building a very small number of very expensive instruments. Okay, and so um, it's just a different. You know, that's, that's sort of its own market of the mm-hmm. guitar world. And a lot of the big manufacturers are building a high number of low to medium price instruments. And I'm kind of in the middle because, truthfully, I like, I like making instruments that are going to, for lack of a better term, normal people. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to sell $25,000 instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd much rather sell just great instruments to people that I can be friends with yeah. without, you know, I don't, I don't need them to pick me up in their private jet or whatever right. else. Yeah. Um, and so, but with that, there's that challenge of, you know, okay, if I want to make this feasible, if I want to be able to, you know, have a sustainable business or I'm, I'm single right now, but if I want to be married and have a family, mm-hmm. you know, what, what are the sort of, where are the numbers needing to line up and, and what do I need to, you know, how much do I need to make something happen as far right. as, growing it in a certain dimension and how much do I have to say, okay, it's a small business. It's going to grow probably slower than I'd like. Mm -hmm. Um, and how much do you just learn to, you know, run a business and still have something that resembles a normal life is probably one of the great challenges for me because, um, you know, cause it can become, especially when you work by yourself, it can become that sort of all consuming thing. There's always something else to do, right? Right. Right. And so how do you balance that? You know, you could always, work a little more and try a little harder. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's definitely times and seasons where that, that needs to happen. Right. You know, you, there are deadlines that you got to, got to meet, but simultaneously, how do you have 
a life uh, that's not strictly tied up in, in what you do for work, right. right? How do you, you know, there's making a living and having a life. And, and probably one of the challenges as a business owner is not necessarily separating them because you're not going to ever fully divorce the two. Mm-hmm. But how do you walk together with them? How do you balance them out? Yeah, yeah it's got to be a challenge. Um, how do you market your business? Where, where do you, because that's, that's got to be a hard thing too. Because yeah. you're, you, you know, you're not just blasting advertisements out, right? That's not your, your target. So how are you, how are you reaching the people who are potential customers for Zamar Instrument? Yeah. So, uh, currently the way I do it mostly is, uh, in-person events. Okay. And especially as a small guitar company, guitar players, um, they want to play an individual instrument. Mm -hmm. They, you know, if, if you're buying something from a mass manufacturer, your friend has one, you like the way it sounds, you look at the model number, you go online, you yeah, buy it. Right. Um, if you're buying something from a, a small builder, there's much more of a sense of, no, this is going to be my instrument and I want to make sure that I like it. And so mm-hmm. in-person events are definitely where I sell most of my guitars. Um, so currently that's where I do. I do a lot of uh, worship conferences because they tend to be a really good size and mm-hmm. just a population of guitar players. Okay. Um, I found music shows are a little hit or miss because you get people who play music, but you get a lot of people who don't play and just are there to enjoy the music. Okay. Um, so a lot of like Christian worship events, um, okay. things like that tend to be where there's just a really great concentration of guitar players. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that's, that's a lot of it, which, you know, is probably in terms of what keeps me up at night going back there, uh, figuring out where the world's going post COVID yeah. is a big part of that because, you know, for the last couple of years, in-person events were just an, a non, oh, yeah. a non-entity. And so that was its own challenge. Um, so thankfully it seems like, you know, on the whole, that's sort of going back to normal and those events are right. definitely yeah. coming back. Um, and I'm noticing just every year there's more and more of them that are back to being in-person, okay. uh, live events. So how'd you adapt during COVID where everything was being canceled and shut down? Yeah. Just, uh, I, I survived. Just survived. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Yes, pretty much. I just had to make it uh, a part-time thing. Oh, really? Yeah. And just um, picked up, you know, odd jobs here and there, did some whatever, you know. Were you ever tempted to start uh, making furniture again? I wasn't horribly tempted to start making furniture um, just because I love making furniture, but I love making it for myself. Okay. And I've I've learned um, I love making guitars – for one thing, just for the customer base, mm-hmm. they're always, you know, they're always musicians. They always think it's radical that yeah. I'm, I'm building guitars and they always are just super excited. Um, and furniture, yeah, uh, it's just a harder, it's a harder market. Yeah. And there's just a, I don't know. It's just, it's just a different customer base and nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Um, but truthfully, I just much prefer building furniture for myself, but yeah. no, I truthfully thought about, you know, do I, go into construction because mm-hmm. I've done enough of it to be pretty good at it mm-hmm. uh, or do I just shift gears all together or whatever yeah. um, that had to be tough it was yeah I mean it was, it was. A, it was just a lot it was you know it, it was tough for everybody just because there were yeah. so many unknowns right there right. Uh, especially at the beginning you know what does this look like and so uh, but yeah so truthfully uh, just kind of you know survived it did some different stuff here and there mm-hmm. and 
was just really waiting to see where it would go. And so, yeah, right now, as, as things are definitely progressing, you know, more and more normally, yeah. uh, it's, you know, it's just a much better, it's a much better kind of music scene, if you will, right now. Good. That's, well, it's good to hear. Um, so how long have you been in business doing this? So I've been building guitars for about seven years now. Um, I've been doing the business for about four, four to five. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty good. So where do you see yourself in your business in, say, 10 years from now? It depends on that. In a perfect world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In a perfect world. Um, If only, right? Uh, (laughs) So I I go back and forth, truthfully. Um, I think in, in some ways I'd love to have a company with, you know, 10, 15 employees where we're all making instruments mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, big enough to, to be, you know, productive and to, to feel like there's a little bit of a system in place that isn't hinging on, on one person. Right. Um, but, um, but every once in a while though, you know, I still, as I look at the, the challenges of hiring and, and mm-hmm. some of that, I'm, I'm like, I don't know. I, I like the one man operation in its own sense, yeah. but, I do like the idea of, I, I would love to have just a group of, a group of people, you know, a group of builders all working together and just, you know, I think that, um, kind of that camaraderie of if every, if you get a group of people trying to build a great product, mm-hmm. you're going to wind up with a much greater product and that, uh, you know, the creativity that happens when you get a group of people together, I think would just be an exciting thing to be a part of. Yeah, yeah you're right. It would be, um, you ever given any thought to expand in your line, take you know other stringed instruments, or just going to stick with guitars? I, for now, I'll <clears throat> stick with guitars. Yeah. Um, truthfully, it's just in a shop my size mm-hmm. with the capacity that I have um, to try and branch out too much. I think mm-hmm. would be um, truthfully, it'd probably be detrimental in its own right, just because it would make it harder in between builds to you know readjust your tooling, readjust right. your machines, and so to to stay fairly tight, I think gives me a much more consistent product, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is really important right now. You know, it's really important that as, as people are buying, that they find a great product every time right? and that they're consistently happy with it. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, do one thing and do it well, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I get it. That's good. Um, you touched on this a little bit when we talked about, you know, during COVID when things slowed down, but, uh, suppose something happened tomorrow and you couldn't make guitars anymore. Yeah. What would what would you be doing? I have no idea. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I love. Well, let me ask you this. Sure. Way. What would? Uh, well, maybe you've already got your dream job. What would, what would the dream job be if you weren't doing this? Yeah, that's. I truthfully uh, would have to say this is this is pretty close this to the dream it. job. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the, the biggest challenge with this job right now. Uh, if I'm honest with myself is that it doesn't give me as much money as I'd like at yeah. times. Yeah. Um, but truthfully, it's just money, right. you know? And, yeah. and in that sense, I kind of have to go back and say, well, what's, what's truthfully important. And, uh, I mean, I get a work out of a shop on my parents' property. I get mm-hmm. a, uh, you know, I can listen to podcasts and teachings yeah. all day long. I can build things that I love that, yeah. uh, that other people are blessed by. And so, you know, I've considered it like, what would I do? And I, but mm-hmm. truthfully, I really don't know. I yeah. mean, I love, I love working with my hands. And yeah. so I'm sure it would probably be something with my hands, but, um, but no, I, I think right now it's this, 
it's a great season of life in its own right. And I love, I really legitimately love building guitars. That's awesome. Well, to be your age and, and be doing what uh, what you would consider your dream job already, that, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah pretty yeah. pretty sweet setup here. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's really... Uh, we're actually recording in in Nate's shop today. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's why you might hear a guinea join yeah. us every once in a while, squawking outside. But that's fine. But uh, no, you got a got a sweet setup here. Uh, yeah, I can see I can see why this would be your dream. Yeah, uh, yeah, I get it. That's that's pretty cool. Um, so if anyone was interested in picking up one of your instruments or, or just learn more about you, where could they, mm-hmm. where could they find you? So, uh, my website is probably one of the best places just for, uh, the info in general and, and, uh, contacting me and that's www.zamar, uh, Z A M A R instruments.com. Okay. Yeah. And then you have some social media presence too. I know I follow yep. you on Instagram. Yeah. So Instagram is pretty much, uh, it's my main social media presence. And uh, is it, I don't even know. I follow you, but is it, is it Nate or is no, it, it, it Zamar? It's at Zamar Instruments. Zamar Instruments yep. on Instagram. Yep. Yeah. He's got some pretty, uh, I encourage everyone to, to go check it out. He's got some pretty cool videos of the construction process. Yeah, and, thank you. And you kind of get an appreciation for, for what goes into to making these things. And, uh, some of the, uh, some of the skills and techniques, it's, it's definitely a craft. It's, it's pretty impressive. Uh, any other social media you do? No, I, that's, I that's technically have it. a Facebook page, but I don't. Yeah, right. I don't yeah. do anything with it. Okay, um, Nate, that's that's pretty much all I've got for you. Um, is there anything you're hoping we'd get to that, uh, or anything you want to add or touch on or reinforce? That's uh, your chance. I mean, it was it was a great conversation. I think one of the things I love uh, whenever I do have a chance to discuss guitars mm-hmm. is uh, you know everybody always asks about the why. Right. Why right. do you, why do you like building guitars? And so we, we kind of touched on it with that whole, you know, hands-on side mm-hmm. and the construction side and where I, where I get to work and all of that. Um, but one of the other things I love so much about building guitars is that, uh, a guitar, if you try and break down its essence, mm-hmm. right, it, it's a box, uh, in, in the most basic sense, it's got four sides, yeah. it's got some decorations around it. Basically it's a box. And in that sense, it's very similar to building furniture. And so that, you know, the transition wasn't that difficult from a Uh construction standpoint for me. But one of the things that I love so much is when you build furniture, uh, whether that's tables or cabinets or whatever, you build things that people put things in or put things on. And, uh, you know, cabinets hold people's dishes. They hold their memories. Uh They hold their, you know, the knickknacks or their treasures or whatever. Right. and one of the interesting things with a guitar is it's a container, but it has to stay empty. Mm-hmm. And it, it can't, once you, you know, you put something in the guitar, you destroy the whole purpose of the guitar. And so I love building guitars because guitars are really containers, but they're containers for letting things out. Right. And so, you know, you build furniture and people put things in it. I build guitars and I sell them to people. And now it's actually a container for their ideas. Okay. It's a container for you know, the music that they have that they want to get out and that they want to write or that they may not even not, they may not even know is, is really in them right now. Right. And so a guitar is, is such a great thing because it holds ideas. It lets ideas out. And that's one of the things I love just as I'm connecting with customers and, and, you know, selling these guitars and getting to meet people all over the country doing it, um, is that 
for each of these people, you know, I do a job and I do it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's my responsibility on my end to make sure that when I give them that guitar, it's going to do what it needs to do for them. But, right. uh, I love that idea of really, I'm just throwing the rock in the pond and it's going to ripple out, you know, it's, they're going to use it to make music and that's going to impact other people. And that's going to then go from there. And I get to do what I do and I love doing it, but I also love that idea of, I'm just, I'm starting something and I have no idea where it ends. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I gotta say, uh, I, it definitely came across sitting here across the table from you. And I think it came through uh, in your words when we were talking earlier, uh, about, you know, the, the school you were going to, and then mm-hmm. you, you took the, uh, the elective, you know, guitar making yeah. class. And I think it came across how you perked up. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's obvious yeah. that this is, this is your, your heart's in this, this is your love. And, and like I say, you, you're 25 years old and you got your dream job. That's, yeah. that's, that's incredible. Yeah. So, um, I think it's fantastic. You're a, I wish you all the best. Thank you, you know, very much, Brian. Uh, I appreciate anything it. we can do to help uh, get the word out. This this is awesome. Um, that's really all I got, Nate. I appreciate you letting me into your shop, taking time out of your day. I'm sure you got things you could be doing instead of sitting here talking to me. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad you invited me in, and uh, you got a pretty good setup here, and, and I wish you all the best. Well, thanks. Thank hey, I, 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 I think you're going to do well. No, right. Thank you very much. I appreciate you coming out. Had a blast talking. Uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it very much. So thanks for having me on the show. Mm, cool. Um, I'll link to your website, your Instagram page, get all your contact info and everything uh, in the show notes. So anybody looking to get a hold of Nate, uh, it'd be easy to find him. And I encourage you, if nothing else, just go check out his Instagram and uh, some of the videos and, that he has on there. And you'll, you'll start to get an appreciation for what he does. So. Uh, With that, uh, I'm going to wrap this up and we'll get out of here. All right. Thanks so much, Brian. Take care, Nate. You too.